Hey guys, before we get started, we partnered with EasyRx Drug Card to help save you money on your prescription medications here in the U.S. It's free, there's no club to join, just bring the prescription discount card with you the next time you're filling your prescription to see if it can save you some cash. If it does, great, if not, throw it away. There's a link on our show notes where you can download, text, or print your prescription discount card. Give it a shot. everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. Hello, Mike. Hey, babe. Long time no see. We're uh, recording two episodes in a row here. We're doing double duty because I'm going on a girl's trip next weekend. Yeah, I'm going to be all by my lonesome. Well, with the kids, I guess that's not lonesome. You're going to be loving every second of it. The ding dong, the witch is gone. Yeah, we're going to be able to do anything we want. Like, there's no input like, hey, well, you know, I'm really kind of tasting like Chinese food this weekend. It's like, hey, kids, we can do like anything. We don't have to, you know, just be nailed down by your mother and do everything that she wants all the time. Oh, whatever. And this house better be damn clean when I get home. That's well, all I'm going to say. We do have mommy number two and our daughter. So yes. I think, well, although she's not super yeah, tidy. No, not at all, actually. Not the tidy type, unfortunately. No. But um, hey, uh, real quick, I do want to mention it this isn't even a, a sponsorship and i haven't oh, it sounds like it. it just cracked open something yeah and it looks like i have a beer too um if this video works but um it's liquid death so um it sounds really scary but it's just water it's a good thing it to drink while you're doing a murder podcast yeah it's liquid death and the flavors bury it bury it alive so it's got like some berry flavor and it's sweetened just a little bit. It's got like 20 calories. So, I mean, I'd, I'd suggest it if it's out there. I think it's delicious. I usually grab one for my lunch at work. Yeah. And um, it's not like I wouldn't buy the water because the water is just water. I mean, I you know, it's like buying Evian or something. I don't buy Evian or Fiji. But it's flavored. Yeah. This one is flavored. But they also have one that's just water. Oh, it's just a can of water? No, yeah. no flavor? Correct. Oh. Now, I don't know how much like value flavor brings, but I think it's pretty damn good. Yeah, it's a, it's a sparkling water with just obviously no alcohol. And it makes you feel festive a little bit because it looks like you're drinking a beer. Everybody thinks you're drinking a beer. Yeah, many people at my work are like, I walked in here and I thought you were drinking a beer. I'm like, yeah, you know, I've just taken to drinking at the job. Well, it's got a skull on it and everything. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So it's 17 ounces. You murder your thirst, it says. There you go. Yeah. And that, again, not sponsored, but totally open to a liquid death. So let me know. Yeah. I also got a coffee here. I'm double, double pounding it. Double you're fisting. Very hydrated here yeah yeah oh one more thing if i could um you made this awesome thing that your cousin showed you it has uh, honey roasted nuts peanuts it's like a little mixture in a bowl yeah i just had some in the kitchen so i wanted to mention it it's honey roasted peanuts and uh, candy corn uh, mm -hmm. you got the sweet you got the savory you got the saltiness it's all together delicious uh, unfortunately i ate the whole bowl i saw yeah so it's not going to be able to keep that around unfortunately so unless we spray like some lysol on it no because that defeats the purpose of it mike oh i decorated for fall yesterday a little premature but you know happy fall y'all happy fall y'all yeah here in florida when it's 95 degrees it sure feels like fall well your sister does say that you're basic so we do you know have a lot of those type of things uh we're big time uh pumpkin spice fans those sort of things um i'm not basic um, but anyway, when I was Struck putting this cord. bowl together with the candy corn and the honey roasted peanuts, I'm like, oh, this might be a problem for Mike. Mm -hmm. You're going to see that scale creeping up this season. <laughs> and uh, confirmed. It absolutely <laughs> is. It gave it less than 24 hours and it's gone. <laughs> so uh, don't worry about that. But um, did want to say I'm, I'm like totally taking this whole thing. You can, yeah, your voice. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of your voice in this one, Mike. I'm really enjoying it. Though. Got a lot to say. I'm really enjoying it. I want to shout out a uh, person that left a review on Apple uh, Reviews here and Apple Podcasts. Um, the name is JKD1979. 
Uh, found Good you, year. Found you guys through t- great year. We were born that year. Yes, we were. And JKD, you might have been born that year too. So hey, fellow forty-three year old, find I found you guys through TikTok, and I'm so glad I did. I love the banter; makes it feel like I'm just hanging out, chit-chatting with you. I've always found myself laughing out loud. I've actually found myself laughing out loud at your back and forth. Aw, that's cute. That's super nice. I appreci- so nice. appreciate the amount of research you obviously put into the stories you cover. Keep up the good work. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. Yeah, very much appreciated. And if you like us and feel inclined to do so, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or, or Spotify. Spotify. Or wherever podcasts are reviewed. There you go. Those are the two main ones, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Audible. Audible through Amazon has been like loving us. So thank you so much, Amazon, if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. very much appreciated. So if you have nothing more to add, Mike, we can just get started here. If you wanted to listen to us through your Alexa, just be like, Alexa, play the Crime and Coffee Couple podcast, and she'll play it. Mm-hmm. She will. So if you're cleaning around the house and you don't feel like having earbuds in, go ahead. you can always do that. Of course, now I'm going to give you a disclaimer on this one. If you have children in the house, you're not going to want to play this over your Alexa. Generally a good idea not to yeah. play true crime things in front of the children. Exactly. Unless they're a little older. Which is why I always have my earbuds in because... You know, it can get pretty gruesome. Exactly. So, you know, I always kind of roll my eyes a little bit when I do listen to a pod, a true crime podcast and they say, I'm just going to give a trigger warning here, you know, yada, yada. But I'm going to tell you that this story is pretty gruesome. Yeah, it's. I think it's fair to say because a lot of times, you know, just through our analytics that I've found, some of our most gruesome ones are the least completely listened to. Mm-hmm. People turn it off around the time where it gets really bad. So yeah. it's we have to keep on saying it, just yeah. in case people want to know. So I'm just letting you know that. And oddly enough, I had never heard of this person. But this is the case of Richard Chase. I just rhymed. He is also known as the vampire killer. So I hate the ones that are named after the killer. Because it's like making them It's like famous. glorifying them. Yeah, but a lot of times it's like multiple people and it's just easier to classify them and that's how they're known. So yeah. it's not because we're trying to glorify the current no, killers. not at all. So Richard Chase was a serial killer who murdered at least six people in Sacramento over the span of only a month wow. in the late 1970s. He's known as the vampire killer of Sacramento because he drank the blood of those that he killed. Of course, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So Richard was born on May 23rd, which is the day before my birthday, but in 1950 in Sacramento, California. He started to show signs of mental illness at a young age, though his father, who was both strict and physically abusive at times, pursued no treatment for his mental health. So I shouldn't put all the blame on his father. He also lived with his mom. Um, eventually the two divorced, but you know, when Richard was younger, they did live together. They didn't appear to have a happy marriage while they were together. I read that they often fought and bickered. Obviously it eventually led to divorce and happy people don't tend to get divorced. So clearly they were unhappy. That's a good point. Yeah. So, um, he also had a sister who was four years younger. So the couple had two children. Richard's unhappiness and disturbances worsened as he reached adolescence. He set small fires, he showed cruelty to animals, and he continued to wet the bed. These three factors are actually, they have a name. They're referred to as the McDonald Triad, and it was named after a psychiatrist named J.M. McDonald in 1963 after he published an article in the American Journal of Psychiatry, excuse me. So it's setting fires, harming small animals, and wetting the bed. Yes, and not even just small animals, but showing cruelty to animals. Mm. It could be any kind of animal. So basically what this study showed was 
that these three traits and behaviors um, can specifically show ideations of like homicidal and sexually predatory behavior. Hmm. But further studies suggest that these behaviors have more to do with parental neglect, brutality, abuse, and can lead to homicidal proneness is basically it. Yeah. So it's not necessarily these things. It's like a... The environment. Causation, not, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. So during high school, Chase did have some girlfriends, though he was never able to really maintain a solid relationship which was likely due to the fact that he was unable to achieve an erection or become aroused in the presence of females. You know, that's might be gay. I mean, yeah, there was no sign of that, but I'll, I'll, I'll go more. I'd imagine there's more. Yeah. I will, I will expand on that. It's hard to have a relationship if you can't, if you can't, you know, focus on that part. Right. So after meeting with a psychiatrist at some point in his life, he was told that it was likely his, um, you know, inability to, sexually engaged with people was likely due to his suppressed rage or mental illness. So kind of vague there. Yeah. And after the diagnosis, he didn't voluntarily pursue further mental health treatment, though it was later determined that Chase had an aversion to conventional sex and could really only be aroused through violence or disturbed acts. I was going to say that, you know, the psychiatrist is probably like, man, you're probably going to be into some whacked out shit. Yeah. So you're going to have to do some joking and stuff. It's like, that's not going to lead you down a good. I mean, there's, you know, it's consensual stuff is mm-hmm. fine, obviously. Well, Everybody's- sure. You, you know, we don't judge other people and what they're into. But when like you like to be spanked, Mike, <laughs> number one, inappropriate. Number two, not true. <laughs> I just wanted to see what you'd say. Oh, my God. So, if you had oh. me hooked up to a blood pressure monitor right now, it would have spiked. You know, what? I was, I'm wondering who's listening to this right now. And I know a lot of our friends listen, God. probably some neighbors. And I'm just hoping your parents don't listen. So. Well, either way, that's it's not accurate. OK, <laughs> OK. What? It's not accurate. It's OK. <laughs> You're such an asshole. OK, you really are. Mm-hmm. So basically. Basically, it wasn't that he was unable to get an erection. It was that the only way that he was able to was through very vicious circumstances. And when I say vicious circumstances, I'm talking about death and like necrophilia. Mm. So Richard began to self-medicate as people with mental illnesses often do, because there's a lot of turmoil happening and you're not getting the proper treatments. So you turn to alcohol and drugs. Because those are readily available and legally available. Mm -hmm. And uh, you also don't have to talk to a doctor and say, listen, I'm having these thoughts and I want to, you know, have sex with dead people. You know, you don't have to share that. You can just slam a fifth of vodka. Exactly. But then again, maybe had he been properly medicated, he wouldn't want to engage in necrophilia. Sure. So he was mostly smoking marijuana or taking LSD. And when he started using psychotropic drugs, his mental illness was just further exacerbated. It it certainly did not help anything as drugs and alcohol don't tend to do so. Yeah, it's not necessarily the fault of the drugs. Maybe it is, but it doesn't help. It doesn't. So at age 25 in 1975, Richard was hospitalized for blood poisoning. He had injected himself with the blood from a rabbit. He believed that his blood was turning into powder and that this was the treatment. I mean, this kind of reeks of that previous dude that you talked about in one of our most recent episodes. I mean, this is very similar. He's having these rare visions and stuff and thinking that he's a superpower. He can inject the blood of a rabbit and, you know, like the guy that thought he was a dog or a wolf. That was um, Austin. Yeah. 
So this is blatant mental illness, like black and white, and it's it's just going untreated, and it's it's very unfortunate. It's very sad. So basically, he got like violently ill. He's he developed blood poisoning. You can't take the blood of an animal and put it inside your body. So he believed that he was getting ill because the rabbit had ingested battery acid that had then seeped into his own stomach. I'm shaking my head here. It's like, yeah, of course you think these things. It's it's really sad. It's, it is sad. Super sad. So clearly the medical staff was getting to the bottom of what had gone down. And, you know, we see a lot of cases in the hospital where they're underlying major psychiatric illnesses. Once you're medically cleared, you're then transferred to a psychiatric hospital. So he ended up knowing that this was going to be the case and escaped from the hospital. They basically found him and apprehended him at at his mother's house, and he was involuntarily committed to a mental institution for the criminally insane. Here he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, no, no shocker there, though one doctor believed that he may have been suffering from drug-induced toxic psychosis. I mean, yeah. Or both, of, you know. Around this time, a lot of different theories were going mm-hmm. around. And uh, maybe probably earlier than that, but like the fifties, they would maybe give you a lobotomy or something. You Who know, knows? like that, that's great. This was in the seventies. Yes. Though, right? okay. This was 1975. So, you know, while he was hospitalized, he was often speaking of rabbits and his fantasies of killing them. At one point, staff found Richard with blood smeared across his face. In one of the articles I read, he said he had cut himself shaving. However, on further investigation, they found two dead birds on the windowsill of his room. Apparently, he managed to get his hands through the bars and capture two birds. He bit their heads and drank their blood. Mm. So from here, he was known in the place as Dracula. So Richard was given a cocktail of psychotropic drugs, and in 1976, it was determined that he was no longer a danger to society, and he was released to his parents. His mother, believing that he no longer needed the medication for his schizophrenia... Nice job, you complete idiot. ...took it upon herself to wean him off the medication. Good. Yeah, smart. I mean, hopefully by now we know that that's not the case. Uh, there's still a lot of dumbasses out there, though, so we don't know that. It's it's just terrible. So while living with his mom, who at this time was divorced from Richard's father, um, he started to believe that his mother was trying to murder him by poisoning. Again, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah, I mean, that's probably because you're not taking the drugs anymore, buddy. And he wasn't. Yep. So from here, his father purchased an apartment for him and forced him to move out of the house. He had a court-appointed conservatorship, I always have a hard time saying that word, that expired in 1977, and his parents did nothing to renew it. So now he's just floating out in the world on his own, which is never a good thing. He's unmedicated, and he's left to his own devices. Yeah, it's dangerous. Very dangerous. So at one point, he did live with roommates, though his bizarre behavior became quickly apparent. There were a couple of stories. I'm sure there were many stories, but a couple that I read said that he would walk around the house naked, and once he clo- he nailed his closet door shut, believing that there were people within the closet that would come out 
and um and get him you know again it's he's paranoid so he was promptly evicted and asked to leave any roommate situation so ultimately he's back to living by himself he has no friends he has no social life so he's left to his own devices in the privacy of his own place which is paranoid schizophrenia and drinking blood and killing little Mm -hmm. animals and getting a rise out of that and the whole sexual thing you know, unable to to get your sexual thoughts out and trying to find a way to do so, probably. Mm-hmm. That's probably what led him to what we're going to be talking about. So here he started to capture, torture, and kill rabbits, dogs, cats. He would eat them raw. He would blend their organs with soda and drink the concoction. On one occasion, he even killed and ate a neighbor's pets and then called the neighbor. And I don't know if he called the neighbor to, quote unquote, confess or kind of almost like torture the neighbor into what he had done kind of feel him out and be like so how's your pet doing um yeah i haven't seen her around in a little while you know mm-hmm. kind of play with him exactly i got i kind of read both that he could have been doing exactly what you just said so he became fascinated with firearms at this time as well never a good thing when somebody that has unmedicated you know mental illness is now in the hands of a gun so he became um, big into practicing his shooting. So he would go to shooting ranges or whatever. I'm not sure where he did this, but this is what he was doing. He became fixated on the crimes of the Hillside Strangler, and he believed that the Strangler was the victim of Nazi US UFO conspiracies that he believed he himself was also a victim of. So this guy is way down wackadoodle way. <clears throat> yes, very big. Yeah. In a big way, he was spiraling. And at the same time, he was also failing with his personal hygiene. He was neglecting himself. He stopped bathing. He stopped brushing his teeth. He basically also stopped eating. At five foot eleven, he had dropped down to about 145 pounds. Oof. He was very thin and gaunt in appearance. Well, he's probably not thinking of anything else no. outside of whatever needs he has, these strange no. needs. You're not thinking of self-care when your your brain is in turmoil and spiraling. He's too busy thinking about conspiracies and mm-hmm. Nazis and, you know, eating animals. Right. So he also started to to develop severe hypochondria, severe. So it would it would range in symptoms. He believed that he had a vitamin C deficiency, so he rubbed whole oranges over his forehead believing that his brain would directly absorb the nutrients. He also believed that the cranial bones in his skull began to shift apart and split kind of like pieces of a puzzle. And he thought that he could kind of um, control these pieces of the puzzle. So he shaved his head at this time. So, you know, it's just, it's... He's going through so much. It's like, you just want to be able to be like, hey, it's going to be okay. You know, like this isn't all happening. You know, you want to be able to reach out and kind of just, yeah, touch him on the shoulder. Be like, you're going to be okay. But, you know, anyone can tell him anything and he's not going to believe it because he's in the clutches of his reality. I mean, to be able to have like a magic hand. I know. And ultimately it required the medication to, to get his thoughts on straight. But sadly, he's not taking them. So he also believed that at times he would just die. He thought that his heart would just stop. He went to the ER at one point looking for the person who had stolen his pulmonary artery. He legitimately thought that his pulmonary artery had been removed from his body. I mean, you'd be dead, I would guess, right? I don't know how important the pulmonary artery is. Yeah, you can't live without it. Okay. So, well, again, he thought he he thought he was a walking corpse, basically. Ah, got it. So that's that's how he viewed himself, almost like a zombie. Where is the pulmonary artery? And pulmonary somewhere. Yeah, pulmonary. What what is the pulmonary? Lungs. Lungs? Okay, gotcha. 
So <laughs> it's up in the pulmonary. Did you know what a pulmonologist does? Yeah, I have an idea. Well, I'm I'm not being smart or no. sassy with you. I'm I'm asking. You're being sassy. It's okay. Continue. <laughs> I'm neither neither smart nor sassy. A little less. Well, sass, maybe please. I'm not smart, but I am sassy. Turn off the sass. Thank you. So on August third, nineteen seventy seven, Richard was found by Nevada police in a field near Lake Tahoe. Apparently, his pickup truck had gotten stuck in a sand drift, and Richard was outside the truck naked and covered in blood. Screaming. I mean, I'm sure this was just a sight to be seen. And police probably see this kind of scene all the time. Yeah. You know, dealing with people that are mentally ill and especially bigger cities. You know, a lot of the homeless people you see are talking to themselves and going through their own things mentally, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So Richard claimed that the blood was his own and that he it had leaked out through his flesh. So once police started to investigate further, they looked inside of his truck, obviously. They found two rifles a pile of clothes, a bucket full of blood that also contained a liver. But because they did discover that the blood and the liver actually belonged to a cow, he wasn't really charged with anything. He was basically just let go. So around this time, he had also gone to his mom's house. He rang her doorbell and presented her with a dead cat. He threw the cat to the ground, ripped its stomach out with his bare hands and smeared the blood all over his face while screaming. So, mom, do you still think you should have taken away these drugs from your son? Well, do you know what his mom did to this display on the porch? That's my question. Yeah. She literally just closed the door on him and walked away. Like, oh, you're being silly, Richard. You're doing the same thing. God, another dead cat. Not, I mean, nothing came of this. She she pretended it didn't aye, happen. Aye. Yeah. So allowed to continue to live on his own, his mental health only continued to spiral. And Richard's hobbies became a hell of a lot more sinister as we go on. And on December 27th, 1977, he fired a 22 caliber handgun into the home of a Sacramento woman, woman I should say. But luckily, she she wasn't hit. She heard a gunshot. She heard something happen in her house. She called the police. The police searched the home and they recovered the shell of the the bullet in her kitchen. Was he targeting this woman specifically or just random? No, he never targeted anybody that he came across. And I will say that again, but that's just the case. So from here, things quickly escalated. Two days later, on December 29th, 1977, Richard was feeling very angry that his mom hadn't allowed him to come home for Christmas. He drove down the road and just happened to pass an innocent bystander. This was 51-year-old Ambrose Griffin. He was outside. He was at the car helping his wife bring in groceries. Chase drove by and fatally shot Griffin in the chest with a 22 caliber pistol. In one article that I read, it everything happened so quickly that his wife initially believed that he had just dropped out of a heart attack. Right. So obviously on further investigation, they had discovered he had actually been shot. So she didn't hear the gunshot, obviously. I I don't think so. Okay. I think it was just everything happened in such a chaotic commotion that she thought he had just dropped of a heart attack. And depending on the gun, it could just sound like a pop or something, Mm -hmm. you know, like somebody drove over something. Exactly. So Ambrose was an engineer. He was also a father of two. One of his sons had seen a neighbor walking around their East Sacramento neighborhood carrying a 22 22 caliber rifle earlier that week, which to me is a little bizarre. Sure. I would be very alarmed if I looked out my window and I saw a person with a rifle. Now, granted, there's the right to bear arms, but you don't need to be carrying guns all over the neighborhood. Yeah, that would scare me so police looked into this they obtained the weapon in question though ballistics tests showed that this did not match the bullet that killed ambrose 
So it did, however, match the shell, um, the one that they recovered on the scene where Ambrose was shot. It it matched the same bullet that was found in that woman's kitchen from two days before. So clearly it was likely from the same person. Yep. So on January 11th, 1978. And can I say that's pretty good police work? Yeah. Um, he had bumped into his neighbor who found him to be odd, clearly. Yeah. You know, he's just it's displaying a lot of bizarre behaviors. He had asked her for a cigarette. Again, she found him generally odd. She also had noticed recently that he brought in three animals into his apartment, which was not, you weren't allowed to have pets. The other thing was she had never seen any sign of these pets again. I was going to say, and she never saw them leave. No, so they never left. <laughs> they never, never heard them chirping or the... And I'm assuming it was a dog because uh, a cat you wouldn't see yeah. because cats use litter boxes. But obviously dogs, you have to take out and walk and go to the bathroom. She never saw them again. So she, she just got a bad vibe from him all around. So he's asking her for a cigarette. She gives him the cigarette. And as she turns to walk away, he like grabs her arm and demanded the whole pack of cigarette. And luckily she gave it to him and he left her alone like, yeah so, whatever you want and we're never talking he, again here you go so two weeks later he attempted to enter the home of a woman though gave up when he found that the door was locked while wandering he came across a woman he had gone to school with he asked her for a ride home though the woman was put off by his unkempt appearance and she was like nope sorry can't do it you don't brush your teeth or shower no i'm sure talk. he had horrific body odor so from there he continued <laughs> i don't know why i I just found that funny about the body odor. It's not funny. I mean, it's disgusting. I mean, I'm just sure he was just very stinky. I picture him like Pigpen um, from the Charlie Brown. Yeah, and you could see some of his mug shots. His hair was like very greasy. Gross. So from there, he continued to walk. He broke into an unlocked home. He stole some belongings. He entered what appeared to be an infant's bedroom and urinated into an open drawer that was filled with clothing. That's good. good. He then defecated on the bed. Perfect. Good guy. Nice. I mean, again, it's not that he's a bad person. No, he's He's mentally like spiraling. Yeah. And then the family came home while he was in the home. And thank God they were left unscathed. Apparently the husband like attacked at Chase, but he was able to escape and get out of there. I mean, can you hate on a guy who's so mentally deranged? You know, it's not something that he's, I mean, yeah, he's wanting to do it because he's so out there mentally, but yeah, that's not who he is. You know, originally, I guess it's, it's a, terrible it's, situation. it's a tough situation but the next two stories i'm going to tell you about are horrific there's no other words to say but horrific great so on january 23rd 1978 less than a month after he murdered ambrose griffin chase slipped into the home of a 22 year old woman named Teresa wallen she was three months pregnant ah Apparently, she was taking the garbage out. So she's exiting her home with a garbage bag. The door's unlocked. Of course, you're going to turn and come right back in. So apparently, she walked back into the house and he surprised her. And you could tell that she must have raised her hand to defend herself because he shot her three times and one of them was in the hand. You could tell she raised her hand and it, it, the bullet like exited by her elbow 
And then he also shot her twice. I believe it was in the head. Just very, very sad. So from here, he dragged her body into the bedroom where he raped her post-mortem while repeatedly stabbing her with a butcher knife. Uh, That's his thing, right? I mean, dead and murdering and... Yes. It's it's all sexually driven. Yes. So then he removed several of her internal organs. He cut her nipple off and he drank her blood. He initially used a yogurt container as a cup. He then collected the rest of her blood into a bucket, brought it into the bathroom where he bathed in it. Man alive. That's insane. He had just this connection to blood yes very much so and before leaving he gathered dog feces from the yard and placed it in the mouth of her body this woman's husband came home from work and found her this way oh i can't even imagine beyond tragic and his wife has just been brutalized and she was pregnant you know with her baby you're like so happy things are coming along and then you come home and see that it's somebody brutalized beyond and such a horrible scene And then two days later, he purchased two puppies from a neighbor and he killed them and drank their blood and then left their bodies back on the neighbor's porch. I mean, just sick. I mean, the neighbor probably knew what kind of guy this was, I would guess, right? I don't know. You know, I don't know when you say neighbor. Was it someone across the way that didn't deal with him? I don't know. Then on January 27th, this is so, so horrible. January 27th, 1978, four days after he murdered Teresa Wallen, Chase came to the home of 36-year-old Evelyn Miroth. Again, her door was unlocked. It was always unlocked. Inside the house was her six-year-old son, Jason, and then her 20-month-old nephew, David Ferreira, who she just so happened to be babysitting for, as well as the neighbor, Dan Meredith. I guess he just popped over to just check on her and, and chat or whatever. So Evelyn took the opportunity while the neighbor was there. They must have been very close. She went and took a bath. So Dan hears something and is caught in the hallway of the front well, like foyer area boom there's chase he was fatally shot with the same handgun he used to murder Teresa, as well as ambrose griffin so after um he had been fatally shot in the head he turned dan's body over and stole his wallet and car keys you know um inside that same house was evelyn's six-year-old son he's hearing these bullets these gunshots he's scared of course he runs towards his mother's room well, before he could make it to the room, he was also shot dead. Oh, that's so sad. Absolutely tragic. Next, he fatally shot Evelyn with a gunshot wound to the head. He brought her body to the bed where he sodomized her brutally while slicing the back of her neck and back, drinking her blood in the process. He then stabbed her body at least six times and sliced through her abdomen and drank the blood that had pooled in this area. After he brought David's body into the bathroom, split his skull open in the bathtub and started to consume the contents of his brain. Wow. I mean, just beyond. Richard's rampage was interrupted. Apparently, a six-year-old neighbor girl knocked on the door. She was looking to play with Jason. Who's now dead. Yes. This startled him. So he fled from the home, stealing Dan's car in the process. What about the 21-month-old or whatever? He killed the baby. Well, baby. I'll expand more on that. Okay. But that's who I was saying when I said David. He's, he split David's skull open. Oh, gosh. Yes. 
So, you know, it's just terrible. So he's fleeing the home in Dan's car. The girl is alerted. You know, she knows something's up, even though she's only six years old. So she goes and tells somebody else. Wow, good job. And a neighbor came to investigate, came into the home and was just, you know, blown away with the scene that she came across. Bloody parts and dead people everywhere. I mean, a massacre, an absolute massacre. So, of course, the police were called. And as the police began their investigation, there were just perfectly placed handprints and footprints of, you know, blood that Richard had tracked through the home. So he had taken the the baby, 20-month-old David. So when the police came to the scene, the baby's body was nowhere to be found. What they did find was the baby's playpen, which was covered in blood and also contained a pillow with a bullet hole through it. So it was very clear that the baby was likely not alive. Just a, a terrible situation. It was later discovered that Richard had brought the baby's body to his home where he consumed some of his organs in the, the form of a smoothie. Oh, like he was doing the, with the animals and stuff, mm-hmm. like with club soda or whatever? Yeah. Ugh, and eventually, the baby's body it was found mummified and decapitated months later in a box near a vacant lot behind a church. So, just just awful. Yeah, I don't even know what to add. It's just a horrible situation. So the FBI was called in and the agents Russ Vorpagal and Robert Ressler were called to investigate and basically form a profile of what kind of person could do the things that have been done. So it it was pretty amazing, the profile they put together. They determined that the killer would be tall, malnourished, and a loner with poor hygiene. Wow. And absolutely at risk for continued killing. How would the hell would they know that? I don't know, Hmm. but they did. Okay. And that is really what solved this case was their profile. profile? Granted, would it have been solved at some point because he was on such a spiral? Probably, but how many casualties would have happened before then? So from what I heard, the woman that contacted the police was someone that went to school, high school with Richard. Her name was Nancy Holden. She's hearing the profile and saying, I know someone that fits the bill. So she contacts the FBI or the police and and says, I believe that this could be Richard Chase. And she remembers probably back that he had mental problems and stuff. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure in school he was showing overt signs of mental illness. And when when his hygiene began to fail, I don't know. And had she seen him later in life at how he'd really worsened, maybe. I don't know. So, of course, they're now getting this word that, hey, you need to look into Richard Chase. So they do. They ran a background check on him, and they noted his purchase of a twenty two caliber semi-automatic pistol. They're like, okay, I think we might have our guy. We're starting to put the pieces of this puzzle together. So a team of police went to Richard's apartment and he refused to speak with them. Well, of course, they weren't going to turn on their heels and be like, no, okay. Well, we tried. He said no. They laid in wait and he ended up leaving his apartment carrying a bloodstained box. His jacket and his shoes were also coated in blood. Obviously, these murder scenes are horrific. They are a bloodbath and he's coming away covered. Sure. So, and he's still wearing the evidence. Yeah, he's not like a careful guy who's looking to do that. He's just doing it out of passion and Mm -hmm. yeah, whatever he is. 
So when they came into his apartment, they found that the wallpaper was just shredded and soaked in blood. How'd they get into his apartment? I oh, think they had they... reason to do it at this point. He is yeah. coated in blood. Makes sense. And he's carrying a box that has blood all over it. So they also found the the weapon was there. The twenty two caliber gun was there, also covered in blood. And matched the casings and all that stuff. Yes. So he claimed that the blood stains were the result of him killing several dogs. After searching Richard himself, they found him carrying David, I'm sorry, Dan Meredith's wallet. Mm. I mean, he's caught red-handed. There we go. Yep. So on further search of his apartment, police found that the kitchen utensils, the floors, the ceilings, basically every surface is covered in blood. Man, unbelievable. And on the counter, there's the blender sitting there that he used to make his smoothies um, which, I mean, I don't say that flippantly. That's literally what he was doing. And the blender was just caked in coagulated blood and rotting matter of internal organs. I mean, I'm sure the police were just floored with the scene that they, they, they had come upon. I'm sure the smell in his place was just horrific. Once they actually looked inside the refrigerator, they found foil-wrapped packages of animal parts the baby david's brains were held in a tupperware container parts of his body and organs were also found as well as parts of evelyn and Teresa. i mean just brutal also you know on the counters there's various dog collars just laying around there's diagrams of like human biology and like how the body is you know put together well he was treating all the everybody like an animal yes you know for his fun and play Mm mm-hmm So, of course, he was arrested. His trial began on January 2nd, 1979. It lasted five months. So I think a lot of it was because of the whole, like, insanity versus nots. So Uh, Yeah, I mean, insanity. No doubt about it. Just, you'll hear. I will. So he indicated that he chose all of his victims at random, and he used whether or not the door was locked or unlocked. He said he, if he approached a home that was locked, it was a message to him that he was not welcome. So this is one of those cases where if I forget to lock the doors at night, you're like, Mike, see, you need to lock the doors at night. Yes. Because I've heard stories like this before. Mm-hmm. So at the time of the trial, Richard's weight had dropped to an alarming 107 pounds. Wow, that's nothing. And he's five foot eleven, so he was just extremely skeletal and scary in appearance. See all his joints very easily. Very much so. And he claimed that he was semi-conscious during Teresa Wallen's murder and described in detail how he was mistreated for most of his life. He said that he recalled little from the mass murder of Evelyn, Dan, David, and Jason though he remembered that he shot baby David in the head and then decapitated his body. He said he thought that the baby was something else, but he didn't elaborate further on what he actually thought the, that the baby was. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. doesn't matter. So Chase pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. However, he was deemed legally sane at the time that he committed the murders, and it was argued that he was a sexual sadist and a monster who knew what he was doing. I wonder what the reasoning would be, because he's obviously insane. Is he insane? I, yeah, I guess what the definition of insane is. I mean, he was a diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. So how much more For sure. He was. Be? But they think that he had the wherewithal at the time of the murders, and he did what he did to fulfill his sexual urges. He did. So... 
Hmm. They said at the time he did what he did, it was just for that reason. He knew what he was doing. But he didn't understand right and wrong. I right? don't know. I yeah. would think. I mean, did he say that? Did they get into that at all? No. He was just deemed sane. Yeah, he didn't have like a moral compass. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So after five hours of deliberation on May 8th, 1979, the jury found Chase guilty on six counts of murder, and he was sentenced to death via the gas chamber. His fellow inmates, they feared him big time, knowing the things that he had done, but they also were disgusted by his presence, clearly. Sure. So they often would encourage him to just off himself, kill yourself. (laughs) I could see that. Hey, that's a good idea. So during his imprisonment, Richard participated in a series of interviews with the FBI agent that helped put his profile together before he was caught, Robert Ressler. He spoke of his fear of Nazis and UFOs. He claimed that although he did commit the murders, it was not his fault. He felt that he had been forced to kill in order to keep himself alive. He told Ressler that he needed access to a radar gun so that he could apprehend the Nazis and UFOs so that they could stand trial for the murders. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay, man. Well, we'll try to get that ray gun for you. Don't worry. I mean, can you imagine these conversations? Yeah, you're like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, And then as he's conversing with Ressler, he removes wads of macaroni and cheese from his pockets. I don't why he was hoarding it. I don't know, but he was definitely paranoid of the prison officials. Well, it's macaroni and cheese. It's good. I mean, it, maybe he wanted it later, and he was just sharing with Wrestler. Yeah. It's so like, no, no, thanks. I'm good. No, he's like, um, I, I had lunch before I came. Thanks. Yeah. So he believed that the prison officials were in a league with the Nazis and were attempting to kill him. Sure. So, I mean, clearly the man is highly disturbed. Yeah. So Richard began to stockpile his anti-anxiety medications that were provided to him, you know, for his mental illness, and he had enough to form a lethal dose. The day after Christmas on December 26, 1980, he was found dead in his jail cell. Which, you know, I'm sure that jail officials knew that they could do that, and they're probably okay with it, maybe, at that point, if somebody's such a bad human being. They knew, you know, they assumed he was taking the medications. It's not like they were like, oh, I saw him take that pill or what, you know, we're not placing any kind of whatever. He was just, he was found deceased in his cell. Yeah. I'm sure there's some other like patrons at the jail who are like, yeah, yeah, we're going to help you out. And uh, here, here, you can take some of my pills. But, you know, this is just a horrifically sad, sad story of untreated mental illness. And it just so happened, like, I didn't seek it out that, you know, it's two in a row that I've covered that have to do with untreated mental illness. It just, I just so happened to come across it. I never heard of this case before. Well, in the true crime community, I'm sure there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of true crime committed by people like that. It's just really unfortunate. And, you know, it's, this is something that these innocent people, he killed six people that could have had their lives spared had he been on the course of medication that the doctors prescribed him right it's, it's just very sad and unfortunate a lot of things could be yeah could have been mm-hmm. uh, avoided so huh. anyway sorry to be the bearer of this horrific story well i mean that, that is the genre of true crime yeah it's gonna happen well thank you for covering that we appreciate it and uh, thank you so much to our patrons for uh, you know being there for us and helping us afford some new stuff and toys and getting us getting going to getting on video. I noticed the camera shut off about ten minutes ago. We'll I see just what happened. My head at this point. <laughs> you shaked your head. Who who knew that recording a video in twenty twenty two could be this 
mother effing difficult. Well, I'm sure if we bought like a two thousand dollar camera, it'd work. But we I don't. mean, this is absurd. I'm, I'm gonna figure it out. This one's actually a good camera. <laughs> it is. So uh, thank you to our patrons: Colleen, Lily, Karen, Nadine, Allie, Michael, Dominic, Brian, Shannon, Elizabeth, and Mandy. You are lovely people. Each we and every one of you. We appreciate you guys so much, and we appreciate all of you being here to listen to us. Yeah, if you got any ideas for uh, cases, come find us on Instagram, Crime and Coffee Two. Uh, or Twitter or uh, Instagram. Oh, did I say that already? I don't and know. TikTok. I think they're all the same. Yeah. So, hey, yeah, give us a shout. Yeah, thank you guys. And until next time, bye. bye.